dad, again, who gets all his ducks in a row, who has probably put aside his dreams for his family for his whole life, said to me, you don't want to live your life with, with any I wish I would have. He said, you're going to do great. And I think it was then, not that I formulated this talk in my head, but I saw the power of people who fan your dreams and were drawn to them, you know, because we love, we love when someone says, go for it. Hi, you're listening to the Zantower Podcast. Hi, my name is Zan Tyler, and this podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load, or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades in almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to one of my longtime friends, Todd Wilson. Todd and I met somewhere on the homeschooling speaking circuit years ago, and we've just been um, best buds ever since then. Todd is the father of eight. He's a podcaster, author. He's really just an amazing person, and uh, he's also hilarious. So join us today as we talk about not being a dream killer, but a dream builder in your children's lives. And you might learn how to build a jetpack engine along the way. I'd like to welcome my good friend and buddy, Todd Wilson, to the Zan Tyler Show this morning. Todd, thanks so much for being here. Zan, I am here for you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm glad I got somebody here for me in my corner. So I hear you just got back from FPEA. How was it? Right down in southern, down in Orlando, Florida. We had a great time. Uh, lots of people. It was super encouraging. We had just gone the week before. We were in uh, California, so it was a quick turnaround at the Chia Convention out there in Anaheim, California. And I, I don't know uh, you. You do the homeschool thing all the time. The homeschool conventions. It's just super encouraging. When you're around, you're you're a part of something really big. Um, yes, and, and and being the in person events are so special after COVID. I mean, people are just hungry to be together. Right, right. I and I met one mom, and and really it was almost touching to me. She said she had retired from homeschooling, so her kids, she said, had graduated, and she hadn't been to a homeschool convention in like three or four years. And she said it just felt like coming home. When she pulled up and she got her little badge, you know, name tag badge, and she said it just felt so good to be back. Oh, that's so powerful. It's so sweet. We, um, at, after one of my workshops, a homeschool dad, we were just in Winnipeg, a homeschool dad came up to me and it was our session on burnout. 
And he said, you know, I came to the conference for this. He has six children and just lost his wife in the childbirth Mm. of his last child. So, you know, you see so many sweet things and touching things and people who just need the support and and encouragement. There's nothing like a homeschool conference. Right. I agree. I agree. You know, the things you get in person that you just can't get anywhere else. And I will say to wives, too, (laughs) that um, I had at least... A half a dozen men come up to me in, in the two states and say, you know, I really wasn't very pro-homeschooling. My wife, was it was all about her, and I didn't understand. And, uh, but I came and heard you speak, whatever, seven years ago, and I'm on board now. And I just think for ladies, you know, because some, sometimes your husband doesn't get it. You've been talking about it, researching it, and then you spring it on him, and he's like, I don't think so. Um, so, so get him to a homeschool convention and uh, see what God might do there. Well, I have to show you a picture. I wish I had a visual for you right now. Joe has this picture of a bride in her bride dress gra- dragging the groom. Like, right. And he says, okay, guys, if you're like me, this is how you came to your first homeschool conference. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yep. Yep. He, when we started homeschooling and we homeschooled for 21 years, Joe's a raving homeschool fanatic now. But he said, well, Zan, I guess in kindergarten, I'll, you learn your your numbers and your colors and you can't mess that up too much. And then lo yeah. and behold, Ty was colorblind. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so I was one for two. <laughs> well, listen, Todd, tell me your story. I can't wait for people to hear your story. I know people around the country have heard it, but I love your story about how you and Debbie got started. Tell us a little bit about your family. It's not like you homeschooled one child. Right. Well, we have eight children, but we didn't get them all at once. Uh, <laughs> you know, that wasn't a, really that. That wasn't our plan. We just plan. We thought my wife came from a family of four children. I came from a family of four children. I thought we both thought four kids. That's a good number. You know, and I think uh, my in-laws, everybody else thought that's a good number, too. <laughs> when you go past that, they start going, you know, what are you doing? Um, and I remember saying those comments before I had children, like like people who had a lot of kids were crazy. Uh, and really, they're the smart ones. Uh, mm-hmm. But but so, you know, one by one, we started adding. We thought that we'd put them in school just like I was part of school. And my wife went to Christian school. I went to public school. I just assumed, you know, that I was I was going to use my kids to win our <laughs> town for Christ. You know, I was going to make them salt and light. And we were going to. And then uh, really out of the blue, I can remember we, we had had black par- block parties in our uh, in our neighborhood. And and we were really intentional about sharing Christ with people and and their little kids started showing up at my house and asking things that would make a sailor blush. And I'm like, there is no way I'm putting my kids with their kids. Because I thought, I'll lose them. And, you know, we want them to be salt and light. But if the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. That's right. And so we started this homeschooling journey. And So what year was this? Do you remember I have no what you started? I don't know. I think it was sunny that that day. Uh, Do you know what decade it was in? I don't know. Uh, probably about twenty some years ago. Uh, twenty, yeah, twenty some years ago. Uh, twenty two, maybe twenty three years ago. 
that we started. And uh, it has been a great ride. In fact, I heard a, a lady, I was talking to a lady who was a an organizer, uh, a homeschool organizer in St. Louis. I think it was a year, maybe a year and a half ago. And we were having pizza, getting ready for the event. And she said something that I've used, I've said, I've repeated lots of times. And she had two sons who were 31 years old. In fact, one of them just had died. It was kind of tragic. And and she said this, she said, you know, I made, I have made so many mistakes in parenting that I wish I could do over. Um, and then she said, but choosing to home educate my children was not one of them. And I thought then, you know, that's a pretty bold statement. There are not many things I'd say, well, you know, I did this right as a parent. <laughs> right. But choosing to home educate my children was not one of our mistakes. It was maybe one of the greatest things we ever, I wouldn't even say chose, maybe one of the greatest gifts God ever gave us. Oh, that's a good way to put it, because so many of us didn't choose to homeschool. If we had had our druthers, we wouldn't have homeschooled. And somehow we got into it kicking and screaming. I always tell these COVID moms, you know, we have a lot in common, the COVID Mm -hmm. moms and the people who started way back when. Um, But it it is definitely a gift. So tell me what kept you homeschooling. If you started homeschooling with one, what kept you homeschooling with eight? You know, it it wasn't that our kids were getting so smart. Um, And honestly, it's not even hardly on my radar, even though our kids are amazing and they amaze me now. Um, I just liked being together as a family. Uh, I saw the benefits of it. I saw that our kids were were best friends. Um, they interacted in a, in a way that I never interacted with my brothers and sister. Um, cause you know, when you go to a, a school, uh, you really become very independent. Uh, it pushes you towards independence, not like, Oh, now you get to go, you know, carry your lunchbox to the cafeteria by yourself, but you kind of get your own friends. You do your own thing. You go to your own practice. Um, you know, I didn't need my brothers. I didn't want them to be my friends. I had my own friends. In fact, when my friends came around, I didn't want them around. Uh, but our kids, maybe because they didn't have a lot of other friends all the time, they just were best friends. And I can remember, you know, seeing my old son, you know, who was 18 playing Candyland with his little sister. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, and it looked like a a cage match. Like, she skipped three. She had three purples. And I'm like... <laughs> Ben, it doesn't matter. It's only, yeah, but if she's going to win, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Um, and, and that just is, you know, balm to my heart just to see my kids together. So I, I love that. I know my wife sometimes, she would say things like, I know, but our house is so loud. Everybody's just yelling and bickering all the time. And I'm like, honey, that's the music of our house. And one day it's going to be silent and we're going to miss that. Oh, I love that. The music of your house. That's true. It is true. People ask me, um, do you something about when did you get used to having an empty nest, which we really don't feel like we do because we have our grandkids here a lot. Right. I, never. You know, I miss my yeah. I miss my grown kids every day. I miss that music. And yeah. so it's a good reminder to parents when they have their kids at home to cherish those days. Because it goes so fast. I mean, I mean, I mean, I I know you remember kind of being and even now it gets a little foggy in the throes of my wife used to call those early days the dark years because (laughs) 
you know, she was just surrounded by little kids. She never got to breathe. It was just constant. You know, you couldn't, you think, oh, we'll just go through the alphabet, but you can't make it through the alphabet because other kids are going, I've got to go to the bathroom. Can you just wait? No, I got to go now. Well, you know, we're doing this. Well, when can I go? I don't know. You can't go now. You know, and it just goes on and on and on. Um, and now we're like looking at my my daughter, Maggie. She's going to have her high school graduation this Sunday. And we will only have two homeschoolers of the eight left. And you think, how did we get here so fast? I know. I know that that's how I feel. So this is a terrific quote. It's very um, cultured. A friend of mine said that life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end of it, the faster it spins off the roll. No, I think and, that's true. I think that's true. It's really true with homeschooling. Man, you get to those high school years, it feels like kindergarten and, and elementary school lasted forever. And then those years just fly by. Well, my wife will say those milestones, like you, it takes you forever to get to your first driver's license. And then they just go boom, boom, boom. It takes forever to get your first graduation and then boom, boom, boom. It takes forever until you get a kid who's married and then you're, they're all married. All married. Right. And it right. goes so fast after that point. Yeah. So, so Todd, you have so many talks that have encouraged Joe and me over the years, even after we had homeschooled for years and years. But I think the favorite talk, my favorite talk from you will always be the one about not being a dream killer, being mm. a dream builder. So tell me how that came to be. I love that story when you start talking about your dream when you were growing up. Well, you know, uh, I, I was not I, I was not one of those kids who had their life mapped out. You know, I mean, when you would have asked me, they would have said, what are you going to do after high school graduation? I'm like, I think we're going to McDonald's afterwards. You know, <laughs> I mean, and that was about as far as I went to Purdue University just because everybody went somewhere. You know, I mean, I sent out my applications. First person who said yes, that they got me. <laughs> you know, it was no I didn't visit the campus. I didn't have questions to ask. I didn't know any of that. So I didn't have this huge passion that this is what I was going to go pursue, you know, for the rest of my life. But somewhere along the way, um, I was a pastor and uh, we decided uh, that maybe I'd try being a writer. And I can remember I went to my dad. My dad's a get your ducks in a row kind of guy, you know, where you don't do crazy things. You just do the right thing. And uh so I met my dad at McDonald's and I said, hey, dad, I'm thinking about being a writer. I don't even know if you can make a living at it. And I don't know. I don't even, you know, it's not like I've got somebody knocking on my door telling me I'm great. Um, I said, but I think I'm going to try it. And my dad, again, who gets all his ducks in a row, who has has probably put aside his dreams for his family, for his whole life, um, said to me, you don't want to live your life with, with any I wish I would have. He said, you're going to do great. And I think it was then, not that I formulated this talk in my head, but I saw the power of people who fan your dreams and were drawn to them, you know, because we love, we love when someone says, go for it. At the, the other side of that, we shy away from people and we all know people. Uh, who tell you why you shouldn't do what you believe God would have you do. You know, I call them dream killers because they are. And, and you know, we've got plenty of family members around us who do just, who do that. Um, and I know they only kill dreams because they grew up 
and they're they had dream killers in their lives. And one of the byproducts is once you've had your dreams killed, you become one of them. They're like the zombies, you know. <laughs> Uh, and they always have good meaning. They always have good motives. You know, they just want to protect you. They want you to do the right thing, the Christian thing. And it just comes across. And I think if we listen to them, we will not do what we believe God would have us do. In homeschooling is the same thing. As soon as you homeschool, you know, everybody around you tells you why it's, it seems like a bad idea and how some mother just read in, you know, the newspaper of, of a homeschooling mother who ate all her own children, you know, and then, <laughs> and then you're like, you know, and they just have all these stats and all this. And if you listen to them, you will not do what you believe God would have you do. So let I want you to talk about this in terms of your own kids and some of the crazy things they wanted to do. And you were uh, able to walk through those things with them rather than kill their dreams. I, I just remember you saying, um, if they'll go somewhere else to find yeah, their, yeah, you know, yeah. The one which is absolutely true. If you don't do it, you know, and I and I saw sometimes when their dreams, even I don't know why it is, but we like parents feel like it's our job to kill the dumb dreams, you know, and we and we, you know, like well, like we're putting out a cigarette, you know, we just step on them and squish them, uh, you know, and as though if we don't, they're going to do something like this, like uh, you know, like my oldest son Ben, he's twenty nine, almost twenty nine now. And he said, uh, when he was little, Dad, I want to own a cruise ship. And I never once said, well, you know, why would you want to own a cruise ship? You know, they get terrible mileage. You know, why don't you just want to own a casino? You know, uh, I never said any of that. I used to say, oh, that'd be so cool. Because then you could give me a ride anywhere I wanted to go. We could go, you know, and Ben never remembers. He never, you know, you talk to him now, he doesn't remember ever wanting to own a cruise ship. But I think you remember your dad who fanned your dreams, um, you know, and, and, and it's easy when they're little. I mean, uh, Ike, he's my daredevil kid. He's he's amazing and he's a dreamer. I mean, he makes his living uh, by making things on Etsy. You know, I always say he's either destined to become a billionaire or a hobo, uh, <laughs> but he's just amazing. He's brilliant. And and. Uh, when he was little, someone sent me a video of a jetpack guy. And this guy was, you know, it was a nine minute YouTube video where this guy's, you know, launching across the sky with his jetpack and Ike's looking at it with me. And afterwards he said, that's awesome, dad. And, and so, I don't know, a little while later that afternoon, I see him drawing on, you know, at the table, he's drawing something and I can, I look over his shoulder and it's a guy with a jetpack on. And he said to me, Hey dad, how much do you think a jet engine costs? And I'm like, I don't know, like, like a million dollars too. And he's like, can you look on eBay? And I'm like, they don't sell jet engines on eBay. Well, guess what? They do sell jet engines on eBay. In fact, you can build your own jet engine uh, for materials less than $200. And so uh, he's, and he, he's like, dad, can I build a jet engine? And I'm like, Ike, if you can save $200, I'll, you know, we'll build a jet engine. And I was pretty sure he would never be able to do it. But when I started talking about it, people started donating to his fund. <laughs> well, he did buy the plans. Uh, they were like $25. And I mean, it was not a weekend project. It was something that... It was like Legos. <laughs> it was not Lego. It was something that was serious. 
And at the end, it says, when you go to test it, go to a large vacant area. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and my kids at the time, they'd say, dad's never going to let you build a jet engine. Like he's going to let you fly around our town with a jet engine on your back. (laughs) And Ike would always come to me and say, dad, they said you wouldn't let us. Let me. And I would say, Ike, if you save $200, we'll build a jet engine. And again, I believe one day he will build the jet engine because he's built so many amazing things. Um, But even if he doesn't, I hope he will never forget his dad who fanned his dreams. And, you know, the thing is, those are kind of silly dreams, you know. And, you know, I've got a son who wants to be a basketball player. Well, I can fan his dream. I don't have to tell him, well, you're not very tall. You know, they're really tall. I mean, I can just fan it and let God kill the dumb dreams. And then I'm the hero. Uh, and even now, you know, my kids will say, dad, I'm thinking about doing this. And in my heart of hearts, I'm like, why would you want to do that? You know, <laughs> but I say, go for it. You know, if anybody could do it, you could do it. Cause I know dads, husbands who desperately want their wives to say that. Yes. And wives yes. who are scared to death, just say, no, why would you want to do that? I mean, we don't have the time or the money you're n-. and, and husbands kind of go, yeah, yeah, you're right. But inside, they just want their they want their woman to go. If you anybody can do it, you can do it, honey. Amen to that. That's true. Hey, I was just looking at your list of talks because I like to go get your stuff on Kindle and and read through it on planes and all. Um, and you've got a talk I haven't heard: range, raising dangerous sons in a safe world. So right. I'm wondering if that doesn't really tie in with this, just being risk takers. It totally does. And, but not just in, and, and really it's always a surprising workshop because people think I'm going to talk about some of this. And I do talk about this, but really what I want dangerous is the opposite of safe living. You know, safe living says I will trust God when it looks like it's going to work anyway. I will love my spouse when they're loving to me, you know, and dangerous trusting says, I'll trust God when it doesn't look like it makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I will trust God no matter who sits in the White House, you know, because I can do that. You know, I will love my spouse, even if they say they hate me. Um, In fact, one time I was talking about loving your spouse and uh, someone, if I mentioned his name, everybody listening to the show would know who it was. And uh, he said to me, he said, yeah, Todd, you're saying that's like being a doormat, that we're supposed to be doormats in our loving. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not what I meant. And I, and then I was reading my Bible, like a month or two later, you know, I was just reading and, and I came across this verse. It says, greater love is no man than this, that a man laid down his life for a friend or for another. And when I read that, I'm like, that sounds like a doormat. (laughs) And then I found all these verses about me laying myself down and not in that traditional doormat where you're just going to let someone spit in your face, but sometimes it feels like they spit in your face, you know, and that's dangerous loving that says, okay, honey, I'll love you no matter what, you know, I I don't, I don't need anything out of it. I would like stuff out of it. I really, really would. And I'm not very good at it or my kids, you know, I know you're not, you may not give me anything, but I will never give up on you. And so that's kind of the flavor of that. The things that don't that. come naturally to us. Elizabeth Elliot used to call that the exchanged life principle. Exactly. Like as Christ exchanged his life for us, we're supposed to exchange our lives for those 
around us. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. So Todd, um, as we close, if you had one piece of advice for homeschool families or for any family or for moms and dads, what would it be? That's a lot of people there, Zan. <laughs> You're giving you lots of options. <laughs> Just in case. Don't need anything bigger than your head. No, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. Chew before you swallow. I don't know. Um, I don't know. You know. Eat lots of Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> exactly. That's a whole. We can make a whole show out of that. Stories Todd remembers of Zan. We should do that. Um, you know, if I was going to have to give one bit of advice, uh, to ever, everybody that you mentioned, <laughs> uh, which is pretty broad, I would say, don't grow weary and stop. You know, uh, I know because as I talk to people, uh, and you talked to them too, this past weekend in Winnipeg, I talked to the same ones in Florida or in California. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of moms and dads, homeschooling moms and dads, husbands and wives, whether you homeschool or not, everybody that you mentioned, who's just tired. They're tired of trying. They're tired of not being loved. They're tired of the battles that go on all the time. And, you know, the Bible says that if we don't grow weary and stop, there's a reward out there. You know, I don't know when the reward comes, but I know that lots of moms and dads, husbands and wives stop. And then the reward doesn't, you don't get the reward. You have to kind of make it through. So, you know, I, I, I again, I had a dad who came up to me and he said, so Todd, what do you do? He's like hung around my table the whole weekend. And then he finally asked his question. He said, so what do you do, Todd, when, you know, your family's just bickering and it just feels like they're arguing all the time. And you're just like, you know, you're just doing battle all the time. And, you know, I know he wanted some kind of simple solution where I go, well, what you do is you have a jar chart and you get put down a sticker for each time, you know, or throw a nickel in the jar. And, and I, and I hate those kind of answers, <laughs> but I said, you know what I would do? I would just enjoy these days. Because the truth is, you can yell, you can correct, you can spend your whole, but they still probably will still do it, you know. So why don't you just enjoy these days? Don't grow weary. Don't stop. Because one day, again, it's going to be over. And you're going to wish you could do it all over again. So there's my advice for Amen. everybody in the world. <laughs> well, actually, that's great advice for everybody in the world. Aren't you glad I asked the question the way I, I am, did? I yes. Well, Todd, thank you so much for being with us today. It's always fun. It makes me laugh, but I always come away with a lot of truth and some convicting things as well. So, well, it was awesome, Zan. You must do this all the time because you're time. really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good friend, and thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was encouraging and inspiring for you. If you would like more information, you can find me at zantyler.com. Until next time, see you later.